0: John Bonner. He did an amazing job going through Romans 5. Yeah, give John a hand. Um, And right at the end of that, this chapter from 5 to 6 is pretty challenging. I'll say that. It's profound. And when we understand the truths in our text tonight, I'm just telling you, it can be life-changing. I can tell you this week, I was praying that people would be set free from the power of sin. That's what Romans 6 is. But it's John. So that is our title for tonight. Those of you who like to write the title out, set free from the power of sin. And that's what I'm believing by the end of the night. People will be set free. So we're actually going to pick up the last two verses in Romans 5 before we get to 6 because they correlate to chapter 6. And Pastor John kind of shared a little bit. And if I could say, he kind of took us to the cliff, right? And he just, over the edge a little bit. And then he said, you'll have to come back next week to hear the rest of that. Because as we know, chapters and verses were actually put in there by man. So there are times when you're reading in the Bible, and if he just ended at the end of five, you'd be like, okay, all right. We're at the end of the cliff. Now what? So we're going to actually pick it up in Romans 5, Verses 20 and 21. It says, the law was brought in so that trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Verse 21. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So Paul is saying here that where sin abounds, right, grace abounds all the more, right? Where sin is kind of ruling in our life, sin abounds. And Pastor John talked last week, right? Sin, grace, right? Sin, grace. So grace covers our sin. Yet that raises a few questions for us as we get into our text tonight, Does this teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we are saved by grace, permit us to continue living in sin? In other words, does this give us a license to continue sinning in our lives? Now, I'm glad I don't have to answer that question because it's not really my opinion It's God's word that's going to answer that opinion for us. So let's continue reading, picking up in Romans 6, and let's see how God's word answers that question for us. Romans 6, verse 1, those watching online, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. Now, some other translations, New King James NIV says, certainly not. Not. Absolutely not. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live any longer in it? Verse 3. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Lately, we've heard some great teachings on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I just wanted to take a minute to explain so there's no confusion. The text tonight, we're talking about being baptized into Christ Jesus. These are actually two separate baptisms, although I can say they might happen at the same time. So the moment that we surrender our life to Jesus Christ, that moment that we accept The Lord as our Savior, we are baptized into Christ Jesus the moment that we accept him. And our identity with Christ is his death and his resurrection. So that is our identity when we're baptized with Christ, death and resurrection. So now as a believer in Christ, we have symbolically died with Christ, We've died with him. So the question is, can we continue living in sin, abusing the grace of God? Paul's answer was exquisitely clear. Absolutely not. Yet, does God's grace cover our sin? Yes, it does. And we will talk more about that later. Verse 4. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live in new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like this. So when Paul speaks of baptism here, he is referring to our spiritual identification with Christ. Okay? Our spiritual identification with Christ. But the interesting thing is we also see a picture here of water baptism. So we see two things in this verse. Positionally, our union with Christ in his death took place, you ready, 2,000 years ago. Okay, so, for you thinkers, right, some of the engineers, try to wrap your mind around this concept. Because of our identification and faith in Christ, we, we died with Christ 2,000 years ago. Okay, I said this is kind of a profound text tonight. Very interesting, but positionally, we have died with Christ. And when we are water baptized, the other part of the scripture, it is, like, it is a likeness of what happened then, 2,000 years ago. So on the screen, we have it for you tonight. Water baptism identifies us with Christ in his death, burial, and his resurrection. Our immersion in the water identifies us with Christ in his death on the cross. But when we came up out of that water and you see the smiles of people as they're being brought up out of the water, we have been resurrected from the dead and we now walk in the power of the resurrected Christ. We walk in that power the resurrected Christ. Yes, give the Lord a hand for that. Amen. See, church, we are no longer defeated by sin because Jesus defeated the grave. Jesus defeated the grave. I have a passage in Corinthians for you on the screen, 1 Corinthians 15, 56 and 57. It says, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us that victory. See, the consequences of sin is death. What is death exactly? What does that mean? It's eternal separation from God. But we, as a Christ follower, we have victory over sin because we have put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I just want to encourage you, if you've never taken that step before of water baptism, or maybe you were baptized maybe as a child and you really didn't make that decision for yourself, I just want to encourage you, our next baptism will be November 12th, that's on a Saturday morning. And just keep in mind that water baptism does not save a person, but it is a commandment of the Lord to be water baptized. So I just want to encourage you if you've never done that, just that identification and making that public profession of faith. And for some of you, maybe you said, like I've been baptized before. I encourage you just to come to a baptism. It is amazing when you just see people and they go under that water and they just come back up out of the water and you see the power of God just flowing. So I just encourage you, just come out and check out a baptism. It's always a great time just to see what the Lord is doing. All right, verse six. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. We should no longer be slaves of sin, verse seven, because anyone who has died, has been free from sin. So that tells us if we've been born again into the kingdom of God, our identity with Christ and our old sinful nature has been crucified with Christ on the cross. Just let that set in for a minute. Our old nature, the old sin has been crucified with Christ. On the cross. I'm going to put up the New Living Translation as well in verse 6. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And if you are taking notes, I encourage you just to write that down. That is the title of tonight, and my prayer truly is that we understand that we are set free from the power of sin. Amen? Church, when we really grasp this principle, it is truly life changing. If truly you don't hear anything else I say tonight, my prayer is that you leave with this revelation that as a follower of Jesus Christ, We were, past tense, we were, not going to be in the future, but we have been set free from the power of sin. Yet, right, there are times in our life when we struggle with sin, right? We're we're human beings. And just have to remember, Philippians 1 says that we are all a work in progress, right? We are a work in progress, and we will not be perfected until the day of Jesus Christ. So that does give us some encouragement that we will be perfected, but it will not be on this side of heaven. Now, the book of James gives us a warning about sin, and it's in the first chapter of James, and it says, when sin is full grown, so in the church, we'll call that a stronghold, right? When sin is full grown, it brings forth death. That's what the book of James says. But James is not talking about like a physical death. We all realize that, right? We sin and we don't die that day, but it's a spiritual separation from God because sin hinders our relationship with a holy God. And that's why when Jesus went to the cross for the sin of every person, for the sin of you and for me, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some people may get a little confused with that. At that time, the darkest moment in history, because of God's hatred of sin, he could not look upon the sin that was laid upon his son. And for the first time, we may not always think about this, but communion between the Father and the Son was temporarily broken. Can you imagine the anguish that Jesus went through of that broken fellowship with his Father? And I say that to say, and sin does the same thing for you and I. It distances us from our Heavenly Father. It puts a strain on our relationship with Him. But we have a loving Father. And to encourage you tonight, He is always desiring to restore a relationship with His children. He's always desiring for you to come back to Him to restore that relationship. Let's read on, verse 8. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. See, because we have been united with him in the likeness of his death and his resurrection, we have been set free from the power of sin. Paul says this over and over again in Romans 6. Because of that likeness of the resurrection, we are set free. Since we died with Christ on the cross, the penalty of sin has been paid. The stronghold of sin has been broken, and we, church, are no longer captive to sin. This truly can be revolutionary in a believer's life when they grasp this concept that sin no longer has controlling power over their lives because we give the victory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that victory... Sin no longer has controlling power. And because we've died to sin as well, we can live righteousness while we were here and also into eternity. We also see in our verse that Christ died once, one time to break the power of sin. We all know he said on the cross, right? It is finished, Death no longer has power over him. And because of our identity with him, death no longer has power over us. We may have a physical death, but we will not have a spiritual death. See, when, it, when an unbeliever dies, here's the other side of that. Not only is there physical death, but there is a spiritual death that takes place. It's called permanent separation from God. 2 Corinthians 5, 8, it says we are confident, yes, well-pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. See, here we see the other side, this unbelievers, but now this is for believers. When a believer takes their last breath, we read it, they are immediately in the presence of the Lord. Death no longer has power over us because we've been united in the likeness of Christ's resurrection. So in the first 10 verses that we've covered so far, Paul describes where we stand positionally with Christ. We identify with him in his death and his resurrection. Our death with Christ ends the penalty of sin that was spread to all mankind which Pastor John talked about last week in Romans 5. And now we are risen with Christ to walk in new life. We now walk in new life. And as we move forward in our passage tonight, Paul turns to some practical application of working this truth out in our lives. Verse 11. In the same way, Count, or some translations say, reckon or consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Since Christ died once for all, we also are to consider ourselves dead to the sin which Hebrew says so easily ensnares us. When we died with Christ, we buried that sin of the old nature. That old nature is buried, and we now live in the freedom of Christ. Amen. We are in freedom. Verse 12 Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you obey its evil desire. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin. As an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. Verse 14 For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. In the original language, that word master there in verse 14 means to rule with authority. See, before coming to Christ, sin ruled our life. Whether we realized it or not, sin was ruling our life, and we were a slave to it. But once we came to Christ, we were set free. And sin no longer has authority over us any longer because we are now under grace, the grace of God. And we have the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of us to give us the power to live a holy and righteous life. When the Father departed, he sent the Holy Spirit to help us in this process. Yet, we still have free will. Do you see the balance here? Grace and truth. It's a balance. Grace, the law, and truth. We still have a free will. And in the flesh, we can choose to sin. We can choose to sin. And that's why Paul would say in Galatians 2.20, I, I'll say, we have been crucified, right, have been, there's that word again, not will be, but we have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, it's no longer the Bob Russell who lives, but it's Christ that lives in me and lives in you, and in faith we live to the Son of God. The issue that we have many times, it's our will. And we have to surrender, right? This is our will right here. Right? This is our life. This is our will. And sometimes we have to do this every hour. Sometimes every minute. We surrender our will to God's will. Right? At the cross of Jesus Christ. You see, it's all we see what that this is our will. But this is God's will. And they meet at that cross. The night before Jesus was crucified for our sins, he asked the Father, is there any other way? Can this cup pass from me? And then he went on to say, not my will, your will be done. Even Jesus submitted his will to the Father's will, which led to his death on the cross. And as agonizing as that was, as I said before, I believe the deepest pain that Jesus felt was that broken fellowship with his Father. Because the Father could not look upon the sin of the world that Jesus took upon himself for you and for me. Paul says that we are no longer ruled by our flesh, our own desires, because we've been crucified with Christ. And we now live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and he gave himself for us. And because he died for us, we are to give every part of our body to him for his glory. Every part of ourselves for his glory. But there are times that we all know when we do fall short of God's glory. And we actually slip back into the old patterns of living. And this doesn't happen overnight. But over time, So what happens, church, is we let little compromises in our life. And before we know it, we have opened that door to immorality from little compromises. And you wouldn't think this ever happens. But I've seen it over and over again. Seasoned Christians who allow immorality to creep back into their lives. And is what happens is they are desensitized to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And it didn't just happen overnight, but little by little, we just allow little things into our life, one by one. So as I was preparing and thinking about this, this was a question that I asked myself, and it's something that all of us can ask. Is what I'm about to do Going to glorify God. When we're making decisions in our life, this is a way to help us to stay on that narrow path. What I'm about to do, is it going to glorify God? And truly, if it does not, then we need to stay away from it. That is a way for us to stay on the right path. Let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles to 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. And as I tell some of uh, Tuesday Bible studies, I love to hear the pages turning. That's like the flipping of the pages. It's like the angel wings flapping. As you hear the pages turning. Those in the Bible study know I like to have you all over flipping in the pages. And and we're going to look at who we were, but who we are now. Okay, Were and who we are now. So 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Anytime you read that in the Bible, it's time to really take notice. Why? Because people are being deceived. And if you knew you were being deceived, you wouldn't be deceived. So anyways, moving on. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexual immorality, immoral, nor idolaters, nor idolaters, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, verse 11, and that is what some of you, what's the key there? Were, right? And we could all put ourselves someplace in that list. But here's the beauty of it that is who we were. Verse 11 goes on to say, but you were washed, you were cleansed, you've been sanctified. Or another way of saying, You have been made holy, and we are now in right relationship with the Lord because we've called on the Lord Jesus Christ. Here in these passages, we see a great picture of who we were, right? Past tense. But now, the good news we have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus in our identity. It is not in this world, but our identity is in Christ. Amen? That's who our identity is with. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For he made him who knew no sin, right? We're talking about Jesus, to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. See, church, we don't need to go around condemned by sin. I want to say that again for some of you. We do not need to be condemned by sin because the Father looks through the blood of Jesus and he sees you and me as righteous. That's how he sees us. The righteousness of God because we've called on the name of Jesus. Yet, we have a part to play. on the screen for you keep short accounts with god and people keep short accounts with god and people see when we've blown it all been there right we've blown it anybody not blown it in here by the way when we've blown it if not we'll pray later for another sin right lying (laughs) Let's say we've spoken poorly to our spouse or maybe a coworker. Just giving you some examples. Or we've gossiped about another person. No. That never happens in church, by the way. Right? Gossip? You know I'm kidding. Okay. Or there's been some sort of sexual immorality. See, we confess and we repent, right? In other words, we turn and go the other way of these sins immediately and if it's possible we go to the other person and we make amends with them and the promise that we have is first john 1 9 when it says if we confess our sins right we confess our sins god is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness when we confess he cleanses us And you know what we call that? The grace of God. That is the grace of God. Now, as we move forward in our text tonight, we're going to turn back to Romans. I get to hear the pages turn again. For those of you who are in the Bible, turn back to Romans 6.15. We'll be in Romans the rest of the evening. And Paul is going to ask this same question again. So because we're teaching through God's word, Line by line, here we read it again. Verse 15, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Same response, right? By no means. Certainly not. Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone as obedient slaves, you are a slave of the one you obey? Rather, you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. So in these two verses, we see a decision that every person must make. And it reminds us there's only two kingdoms, right? The kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. Satan. And we can either be a slave to sin which leads to eternal death or we can be obedient to God which leads to righteousness and eternal life in him. It truly is a choice that every person must make. And by not making a choice, we are making a choice. So you have to choose to be obedient to Christ. If you do make no decision, you are making the choice for the kingdom of Satan. Verse 17. But thanks be to God that though you, I hope you're, under, you're seeing this repetitive, this is Paul's writing, used to be, church, we used to be slaves to sin you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. Verse 18, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of righteousness. How many times does Paul say this? Right? He's really getting that point across that we are free. We are free from sin. We know that since Adam and Eve rebelled, right, and sin was spread to all mankind. Last week, Pastor John did talk about that. Every one of us, right, used to be. It's what our passage is saying. Our old life before Christ used to be a slave to sin, but now we are a new creation in christ a new creation set free paul says from the power of sin and because we died with christ we are no longer under the law now i recognize we have not talked too much about the law tonight but it is intertwined in here which leads to sin but we are under grace that leads to righteousness. So that lends us to the question. We don't think about the law too much, right, in these days, but it is in our text here. So what is Paul talking about, this law? I'll have it on the screen for you to see it pretty clearly. The purpose of the law. The law was our tutor, or you could say guardian, to bring us to Christ. That is the purpose of the law, to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But interesting, but after faith has come, we're no longer under the tutor. We're no longer under the guardian of the law. See, the purpose of the law, which no person could ever keep, is to reveal sin in a person's life and to bring them to the revelation that they need a Savior. It was very clear that it's impossible to keep the law. But Paul writes in Galatians, says there was a purpose to that. The law was our guardian to point people to Christ. Christ. That was the purpose of the law. But after Jesus came, there was no longer need for the law because Jesus fulfilled the law. Now, let me be clear before I get any emails about the law. The Ten Commandments. They are very good moral principles to follow. We would all agree with that, right? Good principles to follow But that will never save a person. You can never be good enough. You can never follow rules and regulations to be good enough to enter heaven. Only faith in Jesus Christ will save a person. It's by faith. Now, some of you may wonder, it's a question that comes up, what about the Jewish people who lived under the law before Christ came? Good question. Let's ask Dave Barnes. He can answer. No. Matter of fact, he's, uh, he's probably watching it at an airport. He's, he's out of town right now. Um, Ephesians 2 says that by grace you have been saved through faith, Ephesians two ten. We all know the scripture very well. That by grace you have been saved through faith. So they were saved the same way we are saved. You might think, hmm, I don't know if I'm getting that right, but it's by faith. The law revealed sin, which brought them to the understanding that they needed a savior. And their Savior was the Messiah. The Messiah. They were looking for their Messiah. See, they were looking forward in faith. And we, as followers of Christ, look back, here's the key, in faith at our Savior Jesus Christ. So, how is everyone saved? Through faith. Through faith in Jesus. Verse 19. I am using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer, again, used to, yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness. So now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. Now, Pastor John really did a good job last week of explaining that although grace is unlimited, it was right on the screen, unlimited grace, we don't continue living in impurity and wickedness abusing the grace of God. Paul would even say in Galatians, do not frustrate the grace of God. Do not frustrate the grace of God. So what keeps us from abusing the grace of God as followers of Jesus Christ? I have two things for you tonight. Apologize, I don't have them on the screen. Because I didn't have them ready until... It was after the fact. So, number one, two things. What keeps us from abusing the grace of God? Knowing that we died with Christ. It's that fact that knowing we died with Christ and sin no longer has power over us. It's the knowledge of that, that we know that we died. That sin has no more controlling power. And number two, we are in awe of what Christ has done for us. And therefore, we no longer desire to live in sin. It's in awe. It's a reverential fear that we just have for God that we desire to please him. And that keeps us, church, from abusing the grace of God. Yes, we have sin and we have grace. We have sin and we have grace. But we never want to take advantage of and abuse God's grace. And we think about this all of Christ. And we, we can't help but think, what did Christ do for us? he died right? a horrific death on the cross of Calvary for your sins and my sins so that we could become the righteousness of God leading to holiness. As Paul was talking about in our passages, righteousness leading to holiness. David would say it like this in Psalm 40, verses 2 and 3. He has also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my steps. He's put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. So what has God done for us? He has saved every one of us from the miry pit of hell. Every one of us. He has saved us from that. And he has put our feet on a solid foundation, the rock of Jesus Christ. That's a solid foundation that we put our feet on that will never give away. It don't matter how strong the hurricane is, the rock of Jesus Christ will always stand. The gates of hell will never prevail against the kingdom of God. And because of this, we should be so in love with Jesus, such a desire that our heart would break to be disobedient to him. That we have such a desire that we just want to be obedient to our Savior. Verse 20. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at the time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things which result in death. Death. So Paul brings up our old lifestyle one more time, right? I want to say, thanks, Paul, right? Bringing that up again. But the things which truly, those things, led us to death. And in reality, we could all look back, right, in shame. But that doesn't leave us in despair, right? That is not who we are anymore. That is not the end of our story. Because... As we read tonight, we were crucified with Christ, that the body of sin would be rendered powerless. I really hope you get that tonight, church. The power of sin is rendered powerless in your life, in my life, because we were crucified with him 2,000 years ago. Wrap your mind around that one. But that's the word of God, which is true, and will forever stand sin is no longer our identity because our identity is in jesus christ that is our identity verse 22 but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of god the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life he continues to remind us that we've been set free from the penalty of death. And we get to spend eternity in heaven with God. Eternity. Wrap your mind around eternity, right? Forever and ever and ever. With God in heaven. And because of these truths that we have learned tonight... We should desire to live a life of holiness to the Lord. Peter would put it like this in First 1 Peter 1.15. As he has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Wow. God says be holy in all your conduct. But holiness, right? It's, this is a word we kind of throw around in Christian circles, but sometimes we're like, what does that really mean? What does holiness mean? It simply means dedication to the Lord, to have superior moral qualities. Right? In other words, we don't live by worldly standards, but we live holy lives by godly principles. And that's why Paul would say in Romans 12 when we get there, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Verse 23, it's a famous verse. Most of you could quote it. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul brings us back to the reality of life and death. The penalty of sin is death. Permanent separation from God. Death truly is the separation of the spirit from the body at physical death. That's truly what death is. The spirit removed From the body. For those who have not put their faith in Jesus Christ, this is the reality of what God's Word says. Their spirit will live eternally in hell, separated from God. That is not popular in the world, but that is what the Word of God says. But those who have received Jesus Christ by faith, the gift of God, will have eternal life in heaven with Jesus Christ. That's forever and ever and ever. But church, this is a decision that every one of us must personally make before we take our last breath on this earth. It's very clear there's two kingdoms. Kingdom of God, the kingdom of Satan. And for some of you, you, maybe you were invited tonight Maybe you're not even sure how you got here. I just want to say that today is the day of salvation. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. James would even say, life is but a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. So none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. But if you've never made that decision, and God has spoken to you tonight, not not through a man, but the Spirit of God has spoken to you, I just want you to come up after service and just come up and talk with me, and I would love to pray with you. And as we close out tonight, <clears throat> I would like to pray for those of you who are struggling with sin, right? who are struggling with a stronghold. This is a moment that I believe God is going to set people free. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's drinking. Maybe sexual immorality. I have no idea, and it doesn't even matter. I believe God's going to work tonight. The Spirit of God is going to work tonight We learn tonight that we are baptized into Christ's death. And if we are united in the likeness of his death, we are also united in the likeness of his resurrection. We are in the likeness of his resurrection. Those of you watching online as well, you can be set free. And because we were crucified with him, we are no longer slaves of sin. We have been set free, church, from the power of sin. I'm just gonna ask you to make a bold step of faith. As we pray, I'm just gonna ask those of you who just feel the Spirit of God is is working just to lift your hands up to the Lord. Nobody else is looking. And we're gonna just pray. We're just gonna ask the Lord to just work in lives. And set people free. We are already set free. Father God, we come boldly to the throne of grace and mercy. We thank you, God, for the word of God that we have learned tonight that the power of sin has been broken. It no longer has controlling power in our life. So, Father, we just lift up those with their hands up, just the power of God to just work in their lives. And, God, just do a mighty work and set them free, God, that they would no longer be slaves of sin. God, we just thank you for what you're doing right now. We give you all praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen.